This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Big Sean grew up in Detroit, Michigan and began rapping at 11 years old. He later began a radio show when he was 16 at a local Detroit radio station where he met rapper Kanye West. Big Sean handed Kanye West one of his CDs and the rest was history. He's had some hit records like Finally Famous, Dark Sky Paradise, and Detroit 2. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Big Sean recalls how he first got into music and how he started his Moguls in the Making program. Welcome to the show, Big Sean. So how did, how did you get into music? Was, was your mom or dad into music or how did you, uh, how did you, end, up, uh, how did you end up as a musician? Um, you know, my mom and dad were not musicians. My mom was the English teacher and grandma was the English teacher. And my dad was a manager at a, a airlines and my mom just would always play like Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Isley Brothers, Motown, Aretha. You know what I'm saying? She just was always on that type of time and that vibe in the household. And we would dance in the living room sometimes. And then on top of that, I had an older stepbrother and an older brother who was like heavy into just like rap, heavy into Tupac, heavy into Biggie, heavy into DMX, into um, E-40, into DJ Quick. You know what I'm saying? So I just... Oh my goodness. I haven't heard anybody say DJ Quick in a long time. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, that one of those... I don't know exactly. I can't remember the exact album that I used to listen to when I was young. I know a few of DJ Quick's albums, but whatever one that was, I got to check the name of it. It might have been his first album. So good, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What what happened to him? Do you know? I, I feel like he was one of those folks who, whose, whose name I knew. And then, like, literally until you mentioned it, I feel like I hadn't heard his name in a long, long time. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's a legend, though. Like, people got to give DJ Quick his flowers for sure. 
so 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 Detroit. So tell me how you got into music because I'm always interested and, and inspired, honestly, by the unusual ways that people break through. How did it happen for you? Um, there are so many pieces and elements to my story, and you know, just the way that it all unfolded, and, and it wasn't just one thing; it was multiple things that led to multiple things. I mean, I was just a kid who. Um, luckily in my neighborhood had somebody who recorded music in their basement and somebody who cared about the community. So he would see his little cousins and me and a couple other people out in the streets. And he'd be like, man, y'all shouldn't be out in the streets. You know, we'd be playing basketball, running up and down blocks and stuff. He'd be like, man, I need to get into something a little more productive because it was, you know, it was very violent at the time. There's a lot of things, a lot of craziness going on and, you know, people popping up dead all the time. It just was was that environment on the west side of Detroit at the time um, where I was at. And he was like, man, y'all should get into something that, you know, try and find something that you really love. And one of the things I got into uh, with his cousins was rapping and writing music at like 11 years old. So that was my start. And um, that was my first time like rapping in front of a mic you know, I'm like writing to music and I just, I had a love for it. And I remember the first rap I wrote was on this yellow notepad that I rapped to my mom. And she was like, she was liking it. You know, she told me to keep going with it and I just stuck to it. And that led to me recording CDs and selling them in, in school. At that time, I just got, now I just got into high school and was selling my CDs around high school. You know, I had like a new CD every semester with like, five, six, seven songs on it. And, you know, I took like, the, I would take my album covers up at Sears. You know, my mom would be paying for it. It was just like, I was on that grind for real and battle rapping after school all the time. And uh, when I turned 16, I started doing this radio show uh, every Friday called the Friday Night Cypher, um, where like a whole bunch of MCs would come together. We would battle rap. And then whoever will win the battle rap will get to rap on the actual radio, like over whatever instrumentals, you know, back then it was like the special delivery beat or the, uh, you know, uh, freeway, what we do is wrong beat. And like, just, just the instrumentals like that, that was songs that were popping at the time, at the time. And, um, I did that for like a year straight, you know, and then that helped me expand my fan base a little bit more and, started selling my CDs in other schools here and there and just like I was hustling. And then Kanye was at that same radio station promoting his album, Late Registration. And um, since I had a relationship at the station, I was able to finagle my way back in the office, you know what I'm saying, where he was doing his promo. Met him there, gave him like you know, I got a chance to rap for him as he was walking out the station, even though he told me he didn't have time, but I somehow got it, got able to, to rap for him. And um, he asked like, yo, you got a CD? And I had the CDs that I've been selling in high school, like on me. I had like my bio ready. I was like ready, you know? So that was the initial step. But I mean, it took years after that to get my first contract. It took years to just, and I, even after that, it took years to build up to, put out mixtapes and then lead to my first album. It was, it's definitely a, uh, a process. It was definitely a, let me think six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It was definitely like a six year process before when I, when I met Kanye, 
to when I put my first album out, like six or seven years, you know? Did you ever, did you ever lose hope? Did you ever start to, uh, did you ever seriously consider abandoning it? Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny because my family was the one who really kept me motivated, especially my mom. Because my grandma, she, you know, she came from a different era, so she was the first to go to college in in the family. Like, my grandma, my granddad, and to them, that was the way to a better life, you know? And it still is for a lot of people, but I just knew that I wanted to do music, and they kind of couldn't get the grasp the concept of that. So when it wasn't working out initially, like, when I wasn't immediately making money off of it, you know, and I had turned down my scholarships. I had, like, a full ride to Michigan State. You know, she was definitely a little disappointed, but all the college bonds that she saved up for me my whole life, I was spending on studio sessions. And, you know, she was just kind of like, she wasn't really feeling that. So it was a very uncomfortable situation. But my mom was the one who was just like, man, you know, you just got to stay on it. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, years would be going by one year, two year, three year, four year. And, you know, it would be like the littlest amount of, progression that would just keep me like locked in on my faith and you know I just kept going and and what finally tipped it like when you look back you know because there's always a story that everybody reads but you Mm -hmm. were the person who was actually in it what finally tipped it why do you think it finally worked I don't know you know I don't know why it just did just happens and you know I never really questioned it or you know, I mean, I have before. I've been like, man, am I? is this meant for me? Like, am I supposed to be doing something else? Or, you know, all these type of things. But then, oh, you got to realize that wherever you're at in your life is for a reason. So I was there for a reason. And when I saw the difference I was making in other people's lives and some of the, like, fans that would come up to me or, you know, it just, it, it definitely was confirmation that, okay, I got a bigger purpose here you know and that when I got the when I would experience the joy of you know making music or putting out music it was I knew that that was that's part of my life um life's purpose at least I I wouldn't say it's all of it but it's definitely part of it what do you feel like the other part of your life's purpose honestly to be happy just to enjoy myself and whatever brings me joy to do it you know uh I just feel like whenever you're moving in happiness or moving on that vibration, that you're just going to attract the right opportunities, the right days, the right plays, the right people. And just, you know, I feel like the greatest things come from when you're feeling good. You know, not when you're stressed out, not when you're like down bad or and not in the right mind state. So I just try and keep myself... Um, uh, you know, as a human being, we experience all these all these different emotions. And I just try and keep myself, you know, at the highest frequency I can. Obviously, I do have my days where I'm feeling low, you know, where I'm feeling all in my head, not in my heart. And just like, dude, you got to deal with all you got to deal with all those and reset yourself and get right. You know, what sort of things allow you to do that? What helps you reset? Because I think there's been more things in the atmosphere for most of us over the last year or two. And some people don't have good ways to reset. And some people, you know, get stuck and feel like there's not a way forward. What sort of ways do you reset or what sort of things have you learned or suggested to other people when when they find themselves in those spaces? Man, I definitely, like, meditation has been a big one. Just focusing on my breath sometimes, just 
taking time out to really, for myself, you know, I think a lot of people get the concept of like meditation confused. Like, you know, you're supposed to clear your mind and not think of anything. But really, to me, it's just taking a conscious time out to be with yourself and focus on your breathing or it could be your intentions that you wrote down for the day. It could be absolutely nothing. It could just be time that you just are spending with yourself and conscious. Um, at least that's what it is for me. And what it does is like, it's like the equivalent of taking a shower after you just worked out and you super sweaty, like you just feel clean. Like meditation does that for me energetically. It like cleans my energy and just makes me, I even feel like I look different sometimes after I do it. And um, that, you know, sometimes I'll just take a break from whatever I'm doing or whatever I'm worked up about or stressed out about. Sometimes if you just step away from it and do something else, whether it's something you think is fun or watch something you always wanted to watch or, you know, it's a million different ways and just come back to whatever you're doing. Um, that that has worked for me before as well. Have you ever thought about living overseas? Is, uh, is that something that would move you? Um, yeah, I have. I thought about living in the south of France. I thought about I've even thought about living fine. Like I haven't explored Africa as much as I've been to like Nigeria. I've been to um, South Africa, a couple parts. I've been to Lagos. I've been to uh, a couple other places, but I would really love to like explore over there and like see if there is a place that I could go live there sometimes too, because it's the richest land in the world. You feel me? I know that for a fact. And I trace my ancestry definitely back to, you know, I'm definitely like 60% Nigerian and other parts of Africa. So I do think that I have roots there. I mean, clearly, you know, not just because, you know, everyone that's black doesn't necessarily have roots in Africa, but I do feel like I am one of the people who have actual roots in Africa. I mean, we all came from Africa. I'm, I'm one of those people too. Like, I definitely think if you go back further enough, we all came from Africa, but I mean, like my family, not too long ago, came from Africa, you know? Oh, on your dad's side or your mom's side? No, on my, I think on both sides, honestly, you know? But I'm talking about, like, like, we've been in America for a while, but I mean, like, if you go back, like, six, seven, eight generations, maybe I feel like that's where... Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we were, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you, mm -hmm. uh, the most beautiful place I've ever been to in the world is in Zimbabwe, uh, Victoria Falls. Did you go to Victoria mm. Falls while uh No, nah, no, I haven't. I haven't. I have been to Uganda and saw the Nile River though. That was crazy. Yeah. Oh, Very I have not beautiful. done that. I want to do that. I have not done yeah, that. Yeah, the sun the sunsets, that's like some of the best sunsets I've ever seen. But you just gotta watch out for that right for the um hippos and the alligators, because they like right there on you. There's no like barricade or anything. Well, you were right there with the alligators? Yes. Were you were you nervous at all or no? I feel like God got me, man. So no, not really. It's just like you just got to be careful, you know. <laughs> okay, you say <laughs> that. You God say that now. Me. You say that now, but you'd be running faster than me if uh, if those crocodiles and alligators came out. Yeah, I feel like when you start running, that's when you make your first mistake. When you start running, because oh, they want to chase something. Oh, they want to chase interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I was. I literally was walking off the river and saw one not too far, and I jumped a little bit, but then I just kept the cool. And it didn't do nothing. But I feel like if I would have started running, that probably would have provoked it to chase me, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. But I don't, I don't mess with those hippos. Hippos don't like humans at all. When I saw those, I was, I was out. I was dead. <laughs> Is that right? You were done? Um, mm-hmm. Now, did you go to South Africa or, or no? Yeah, I did. Uh, trying to, where did I go? I had a show there. Um, Cape Town, Johannesburg? Joburg. Joburg. Yeah. Yeah. Joburg. Yeah. It was very yeah. nice. Me and my mom was out there. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we were in Lagos special. and we were in Nigeria, like all, all different experiences. Nigeria was a little more hectic, I'm not going to lie, but we still had a great time. Man, she must be so proud. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I was reading a little bit about what you've been doing with schools and some of the uh, give back and the foundations. Did she inspire that? Was that you? How did uh, how did you decide to start doing nonprofit work? Really, it's, it was my family. It was really her idea. And 
I just thought it was a great idea. And since I'm in a position to give back, I mean, that's how my that's how I was taught to always do it. You know, even when we just used to donate to the Salvation Army and whether we were short on money, my grandma, and my granddad, they always made sure to like donate to churches and fire department and all these different charities that they supported. And they gave what they could every time. So it's kind of instilled in me to give back. And it was definitely my mom's idea. You know, she always instilled like, man, the more you got and the more you can give back, you got to make sure you do because, you know, you never know the impact that can have on somebody or the, you know, even when we were doing this, um, obviously, I know we're going to talk about how I teamed up with Ally, but even just doing that opportunity and seeing all that came from that, you know, the, uh, the Fentropolis thing with Minecraft, that's just mind-blowing that that came from our program, you know? That is a that is a brilliant idea. I love mm-hmm. the fact that they're teaching financial literacy through a video game. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's something that I feel like is so needed. I mean, I think that financial literacy should be a whole class in school, really. It should be, you know, that and mental. I know they have health, but it, they need to, like, they really should teach kids certain aspects or even if it's breathing exercises or how to deal with anxiety and stress and a lot of things that we have to you know that we have to like no one taught me how to about taxes in high school and that don't make no sense that is something we all have to I mean that is more common in biology and like chemistry like just as essential as those are so is that you know we need to learn learn some of those some of those uh, methods but that's what I really do like about this Ventropolis um you know, it's what I dreamed of what would come about from uh, what uh, me and Ally and Thurgood Marshall are doing with the uh, with the moguls program. Yeah, I love the making of uh, the making of uh, the making of, of a mogul program that Ally is doing and and that notion of giving so many young people an opportunity. Did they bring you into it? Did you come to them? How did you guys? start working uh on uh on that man well i know um i know a lot of great people over at ally and we were just trying to figure out the uh especially andrea shout out andrea uh, we were just trying to figure out the right way to do something that just makes a difference you know they just they really were just hungry you know being in the position that they're in they're like, man, we got to do something just for the city of Detroit. You know, they just respected the city. And for other, not just the city of Detroit, like, obviously, that's where the home base is, but just for all HBCUs, you know, all historically black colleges, you know, they're like, man, we got to figure out a way to just teach people, put them to the test, give them opportunities, you know, give them internships, give them jobs. And not only give to them, let them give to us because, you know, nobody got the nobody is on the leading edge of development like um, the leading edge of people in humanity. You know what I'm saying? So it only made sense that it's a it's a two way street. It's not just us giving them. They give us. And, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful partnership. I'm, I'm glad that we like keeping it going and exploring it and expanding it, you know. How, how, what have you taken away? I mean, you're somebody who's seen a lot of the world. I assume that, as you said, you do get something back from being involved in community service and doing programs like Making of a Mogul with Ally or Fentropolis. 
as part of Minecraft. But what have you taken away, Sean? Like, what what is doing community service giving you? It's just giving me joy. It's giving me a sense of um, it's one of the most productive things I feel like I could do. You know, is to help somebody on their way or give somebody opportunity or a little extra push like that they may not have been able to have on their own. You know, whether it's after school programs, whether it's inspiration, whether it's uh, whatever it is, you know, whether it's a, a opportunity, an ally, it's just it's cool to just give because I know that that's just as important as getting. You know what I'm saying? And it's just as uh, it's just as fulfilling, too. It really is for real. I'm not just saying that to be politically correct. That's just like, it just feels good to be able to be in a position to give, you know? What about the last year for you, Sean? Not only COVID, but Black Lives Matter, all the different conversations. Have, has that changed you? Did that just reaffirm you, but you're still fundamentally who you were before? What, what's happened for you personally over the last year, year and a half? I mean, I was pretty solid on the, you know, as far as Black Lives Matter, like, I was already in that mindset, you know, and. I, I embrace every aspect of being black. I love it. You know, I love even even if we have to work harder and to be seen and recognized, like I love I love the grit. I love like, you know, uh testing my strength. I feel like we're magical. You know, we are magical people, seriously. You know, I know they used to say we was three fifths of a person. I feel like we six fifths really. I really feel like we're we're incredible beings, you know what I mean? And um, I also feel like all people came from black people too, you know, uh, I'm one of those guys. So, uh, I, I don't think it's anywhere near where like, so to me, a lot of, sometimes it can be a lot of smoke and mirrors going on as far as people, you know, they'll do things that aren't really a real change to me, you know? And sometimes like, I love, like, oh, yeah, making Juneteenth a holiday. Okay, that's great and all, but it's like, but what? It, but what's the real deeper, you know, what? what's really going on? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I saw, like, realtors, like, aren't technically supposed to say in certain places master bedroom anymore, you know, just things like that to me. That don't really make a real difference to me, you know? That's just kind of like, for namesake or you know i I don't know if that's the real the real difference all right all right let me put something to you now Mm -hmm. now what if somebody said hey look the first 250 years of america was what it was Mm -hmm. it's it's here it's come it's gone but now we're not just going to think about tomorrow we're going to think about the next 250 years going to have a new constitutional convention not only going to have washington hamilton and jefferson now we're ready for Anderson, Gladwell, Coates, Lakshmi, all sorts of people to come to the table. If you were one of the people planning the next 250 years of America, America 2.0, what would be one or two of the things that you would prioritize, that you would put front and center, if you were reimagining what could be? That is a, wow, that is a loaded question. Uh, definitely just one of the things is improving the communication uh, between us all because I just feel like there are so many things unsaid or unheard, not understood. I don't know how to get across the point across, you know, people, th- just aside from that, people can 
perceive you and hear you completely different than what you're actually saying. You know, so by meaning by that, by saying that when I say like, you know, I do think that uh, just like how you have a, you can have a kid and they can have the, some of the same traits as you like, oh, man, I used to blink like that when I was a kid or oh, man, I he got the same arm as me when he throw that football. He throws it just like me or looks like me. I do think you can inherit people's pain and emotions, your ancestors, your great grand, you know, my great, great aunt was a slave. I feel like you can inherit some pain. I feel like you can inherit a lot of emotions. Right. And I feel like that that's something that we have to work through and uh, communicate and talk about. Right. But not that goes both ways. So there may be people who are, for example, a white person who, you know, is not racist, that has no preference of like race or anything, and it may be deep, deep in their blood and they might not even know it. And that's not me. I'm not trying to sound like a, uh, you know, like I'm, like I'm just like an angry black man. That's not my case. But what I'm saying is there is a deeper conversation for us to explore those. Because if, if there are characteristics that we see that are passed down from our ancestors, you know, my grand, I never met my granddad and my dad always tells me like, man, the way you. I forgot the way I look or something. He says, just like your granddad that I never even met before. So I do think there is something to explore there. And I think all of that stems down to communication and breaking some of the barriers, uh, healing some of the pain that we have. And, you know, because I do feel like this country, the whole world is just built on a foundation of, uh, racism that has not been redone so it's just getting down to that foundation i don't know how to do that but i do know that that to me is true yeah well well, i think you were right that if you don't stare at our most fundamental challenges nothing fundamental is going to be different right That, uh, Mm -hmm. that that we have to wrestle with that i also thought what you said before and i realize it may feel disconnected but i think it's right i think what you said in the way that we have physical education in schools there should be the equivalent of mental education. Uh, I think it's a really smart idea. I think, yeah. you, you know what I mean? I like, I think, I, I think you're onto something there. Like, I think that that could be transformative for lots of people in, uh, in different yeah. ways. It's just like, you take classes like economics, you take things you have to, you know, history and like, Definitely need to make sure they teach in black history. Definitely, you know, there's a lot of things I had to learn outside of school that was not taught in school, which is just makes no sense to me. The, the Some of those classes definitely need to incorporate, like it can be in economics. It can already be in some of the classes like taxes. You know, I can't remember exactly what class it was that I had to, they taught me how to fill out a check. They should have taught me about uh, you know, what you do after you fill out the check. I would have liked to have learned that probably even more than how to properly fill out a check. It's like they stopped right there. I don't know. I can't remember what class that is, you know. Uh, but, I mean, I use that way more than I use trigonometry, you know what I'm saying? I use that way more than I use chemistry. And, I, and, I, and I'm not speaking for everyone because some people are chemists. Some people are engineers. And but, uh, you know, everyone has to pay taxes. Everyone goes through depression and ups and downs and anxiety to a certain level. Maybe they don't, but a lot of people do. I just think it's that important. 
I, I agree. I agree. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claims for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, as we close out, let me talk again a little bit about moguls in the making, um, because I think it is such a it's such a profound idea, and it ties to what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. the idea that it shouldn't just be about filling out a check, but what else could come on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you heard about moguls in the making, and what excited you about it? I just, it, it excited me because I did feel like that was such an aspect uh, missing in our community. And I mean, our community, you know what I'm saying? Like financial literacy. So uh, around 2019, when Andrea and everybody at Ally came to me, I just thought it was, it struck me. You know, a lot of people come at me with a lot of things sometimes. And that just struck me because I have learned firsthandedly and gone through, um, you know, not being as financial literate as I should have been and having to learn, not necessarily the hard way, but just having to learn it. And I'm a smart person. So I, you know, I'll pay attention and apply myself and have the right people around me. But I'm like, yo, this is something that needs to be taught to a lot of, a lot of these uh, kids, especially the world is changing so heavily that there's new professions, it's new, you know, we're on the leading edge of, you know, you could be a, multi-millionaire from playing video games. You could be uh, a YouTuber, a social media star. You can be a... And and by the way, there are 10 other jobs that go into just being that, you know, that are are new ways of of income, right? 
So I think it's more important than ever to teach people. And to me, that's what moguls in the makings and Ally Financial and, you know, Third Good Marshall really gave us the opportunity to incorporate that into, you know, the HBCUs and, and, and it just works. Um, it was just synchronized perfectly. You feel me? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I met several of the students who came up with Fentropolis. I met Damari and Aaron mm-hmm. and uh, Keyshawn and, um, and Earl. And, and I love the kids. And I must imagine that for you seeing them, I, I assume you're as proud of them as I am. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. So proud of all of them just for thinking and taking it that serious, you know, and this is something that, you know, and they're going to be, they're, they're going to get so many blessings back from this by blessing so many people and, you know, it being such a big deal. And I appreciate Microsoft for being able to really see the vision of it and to take the time out. They didn't have to do that, you know, so I appreciate Microsoft for, you know, and, and applying it to Minecraft. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, have you have you have you tried it yet? Have you played Minecraft or even the Fentropolis part within Minecraft? Have you played around with it? You know, I haven't played around with it yet. I am going to, though, because it's been it's been on my mind. But, uh, you know, I really have been back to back doing a lot of things uh, that I've been catching up on. But I very I'm not going to lie and say I have, but I literally have heard it, seen it. And I'm like down to get into it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a game changer because I think it's going to start with the kids, but I think other people are going to observe it and they're going to want to play it too. Yeah, for sure. And I know I'm probably going to learn something for sure. I I don't see how you couldn't, you know, when you, you think you may know everything, but I'm, I know enough that I do not know everything. So, Hey, Sean, let me finish with what I call rapid fire. You mind if I hit you with a couple of quick questions, get quick response? For sure. What's your favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie of all time is Forrest Gump and The Matrix. It's a tie. Forrest Gump, because I love the story and the heart, and Matrix, because his last name was Mr. Anderson. And I just, that was my last name, and I just really, like, I really felt that, and I love the concept of, like, the this not being the only reality. You know, I really believe in that as well. What's your favorite song uh, that you've ever written or performed? Favorite song I've ever written or performed... Uh, One Man Can Change the World is probably the, my favorite song I've ever written just because of what it meant to me. And I dedicated that to my grandma. She's on the end of the song and she had just died. Um, I played it for her and like she soon after died. So it just has a special, special connotation for me. I don't know if that's necessarily the best lyrics or, you know, whatever, but that's just one of my favorite ones personally. And, um, Favorite song to perform has to be, uh, I really like performing Blessings with me and Drake. That's one of my favorite songs to perform. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, Your favorite athlete of all time? Michael Jordan. You say that as a Detroit guy. You're saying Michael Jordan. You're saying it out loud. I know. Now, you didn't ask my favorite team. My favorite team is the Bad Boys. You know what I'm saying? I love Isaiah. I love yeah, but, but, all but, of them, but for some reason. You you said Michael Jordan. You're from Detroit. I know. I know. But Michael Jordan was just, he was bigger than life, man. He, he you know, he, when Detroit beat him back to back and went and won those two championships and what he did to get stronger to beat them, I just got to respect that. You know, he he 
he never took no for an answer and he kept excelling. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's the reason I like Dragon Ball Z. That's the reason I like Star Wars. It's like when people find like the, the strength to like rise above and, and tap into that inner strength, that's impossible eyes, but somehow they come out on top. To me, Michael Jordan was the actual human embodiment of that concept. So, and, and I feel like he changed the game. So that's my favorite athletes. Now my favorite team is the Detroit Pistons, period. Like, period. Whether they win and lose and whatever, you know, and my favorite team has to be, you know, the bad boys with Robin, Lambeer, Isaiah, Dumars, you know, that, uh, that, was, that was that team for me, for sure. Okay, all right. If you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Dinner with anyone dead or alive, Biggie. I would want to. I would want to have dinner with Biggie. That's a good answer. Yeah, I love. I love Biggie, man. I just want to see. You know, there are that. Now I can name ten people like Aretha. I would love to have dinner with Marvin Gaye. I love to have dinner with Bob Marley. I love to have dinner with Gandhi. I love to have dinner with Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'll, I'll, I can name, I can go all day. You're basically having brunch. You're having brunch. You you turned it from a dinner to a brunch. Right, right, and you right, invited right. a whole bunch of people. Right. Yeah. I like that, though. Yeah. I like that, though. Um, Final one for you. Most interesting thing you've learned in this life about love. Hmm, most interesting thing I learned about this life. Most interesting thing I learned in this life about love is that that's what it's all about. We're coming to the conclusion that it's all about love, you know, and that, uh, we give so many meanings to love that aren't love, you know. If there isn't unconditional love, love is unconditional. Love, God is love. Love is everything, you know what I'm saying? And I realized that life is either, um, you're either living in love or you're living in, in uh, the lack of love, you know. So it's only two things, and I feel like that love is is all. It's all encumbering. It's all embracing. It's not conditional. It's not something that you can get mad at and just take away. It's, it's like the number one thing in this world to me because God is love. Are you walking down the aisle soon? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> not anytime soon. Not anytime soon, man. I, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Okay. Maybe. Okay. I hear romantic, though. I hear romantic in you. And um, Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm somebody who one of the things that I've been having to really practice is the the love in myself, having that relationship with myself. And, you know, that's that's one of the things I really really when I think of when I talk about love. I feel like that's one of the things that I haven't always done is is to make sure I love myself. I kind of always re- relied on getting it from everybody else or getting it from somebody else. When really you got to be full of love and give love and um, be good no matter what, you know? I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sean, it, what a pleasure. Uh, uh, I've loved meeting you. I appreciate your time. I can tell how hard you're grinding right now. I can tell how hard you're grinding right now. And so know that I appreciate the time you're given. And Andrea told me to send her love to you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's mine. That's my ace right there, Andrea. So God bless her. I love her. You know, and appreciate her. And I appreciate talking to you, man. Great interview. And uh, I'll see you soon, man. Yeah, be safe. Be safe. Be well. All right, you too. Okay, take care.
you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.